Welcome to your success tonic. If you're ready to explore what it would mean to step into your boldest, most exciting vision of success, then you're in the right place. Welcome to your dose of success tonic for the day. I'm your host, Natalie Pincham, and I'm delighted to welcome Carrie Majewski onto the podcast today. She's the founder and CEO of Women in Leadership Nexus and Dora D. Ascension Framework. She's also the Vice President of Growth Strategy at the SQA Group. She's most recently been a featured keynote speaker at the Global Women Future Conference, Bryant Women's Conference, Girl Scouts of Southeastern New England Shine Ceremony, the Wise Symposium, and Always on Leadership Symposium. So she's a busy lady. (laughs) She's committed to affecting change and fueled by desire to take action. And in addition to getting her energy from entrepreneurship and marketing, you'll find her dancing and exploring the ocean state and grabbing coffee with strangers who become friends. In fact, I think that could be her superpower. That's my personal opinion. So welcome, Carrie. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's an honor to be here and talking to you. I'm just delighted that you were able to join me because I know that you and I really share this belief that getting more women into leadership positions is really vital to creating positive change. You know, and we both share this desire to help accomplished women step into bold new levels of leadership presence and visibility and business success. So I'm very excited to chat and compare notes with you. I love what you just said, Natalie, about the bold visions. It's a, I know it's something we're going to talk about, but I, I'm excited by where we're headed as just like a society and a business construct. And I love that you're talking and shedding light on what can leadership look like? What can it feel like? And how do we just create space for more greatness for each of us to come forward? Yes, yes, yes. It's so, so empowering when we start to think about these things and start to just take ownership of things in a different way. You know, you must meet a lot of amazing people through all the things that you do and all the different avenues that you have open in your life right now. So from all the people that you come across, do you hear about different versions of success from them? And has that shifted your definition of success in any way? That's a great question to start with. I, I'm very interested right now in where did definitions come from? Who created them? Who wrote them? Are we you know, upholding words and phraseology that was created eons ago? And what parts of these definitions do we still believe and hold true for ourselves? And which do we need to break up with? So I love the notion of taking words, whether it's success or it's growth or it's velocity and just figuring out what is your actual definition for that word and being willing to ask ourselves, is this a definition that I created? Did my past version create it? Did my future version create it? Right? Did society create it? Because so often, I think we're still holding ourselves to benchmarks and expectations that we did not set. They were just, you know, learned behaviors. They were systemic constructs that became ingrained in us. So it's been, I think, empowering and exciting to be in conversation and community with so many people now that are looking at words and words like success, as we said, and just thinking, how do I make this more nuanced and more true to my authentic version? 
version because success for everybody is not the same, right? Like it's not just climbing to C-suite or making a certain amount of money or running your own business. Sometimes success for someone is having time to do their passions and their hobbies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's been my favorite part of these conversations is asking people, how are you actually defining that word? Is it something you're looking to re-explore and re-examine? And then opening up a really rich dialogue about where we could move the conversation, the definition towards. Yes. Well, as you know, I'm pretty passionate about the subject too. (laughs) But I do think that those conversations pretty much start most of my coaching sessions with my clients around, you know, what what does success look like for this session, but also bigger picture? Because I think having that definition clear in your mind, as opposed Mm -hmm. to having it as a received idea that we've never questioned or, or really dug into can can just, you know, having that difference of perspective is just so clarifying. It is. I remember when I was growing the Women in Leadership Nexus, and that, that's how our worlds, of course, collided, thankfully. <laughs> but remember, you know, it's turning seven now. And in some ways, it feels like it's been a year. and others, it feels like it's been quite some time. But I always got asked every year, like, how have you grown it? And what does growth look like for you? And for so many people, growth is a marker of metrics and many times vanity metrics at that. Like it's tied Mm -hmm. to year over year, you know, the numbers rising, the numbers getting bigger, whatever it is. And I remember that was my first time of experimenting and dancing with new age definitions. And for me, growth was intimacy. It was close knittedness. I wanted a community of women that could just stay very open and expansive to new ideas and new thoughts. But I never wanted to be the popular organization. I always would say, I want to be influential and I want to be impactful, but I don't care about popularity. So I think that as we're starting to think about all of these words that are on our mind right now, again, it allows you to shift into the driver's seat to just make sure you're following your path. And again, not the path that someone else told you you were supposed to be on. And and that feels inspired, I think, for all of us as humans when we get to that realization. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things I find really fascinating and a really interesting topic is this intersection between our definition of success and our ability to define leadership for ourselves and for others. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to that, you know, how would you define that intersection based on the work that you do? It's a great question. I it changes yes, <laughs> I feel yeah. every, right? Like every month I'm, I'm defining and integrating my worlds differently. You know, success sometimes, especially in years past, used to look a whole lot like achievement <laughs> and, right. you know, exactly. win, winning things, being featured in things, getting to career markers that were super important. And I've been kind of understanding my own definition of success right now, which feels a little bit more quiet for me and a little bit more inward, which has been really new. It's a new space for me to step into. But I love thinking about the leadership and success intersections and granting ourselves just permission and grace to say that it gets to change over and over again. And Mm. the way we lead, whether it's our communities, our families, our places of work, we can inhabit new styles and new techniques whenever we're so called and so moved. So I think for the first time in my life, and it's not easy, I'm definitely like a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist and all those terrible things that we battle. Um, but for the first time, I'm trying to just grant myself a little bit of just time to slow down, to really reflect, to make sure that anything that I'm chasing are things that still feel true and still set my soul on fire mm-hmm. and that I'm willing to walk away from that which no longer serves me, even if it means deviating from past patterns and behaviors that I was so accustomed to. Yeah, and that can be a hard 
conversation to have with ourselves, right? Yeah. It's really hard to let things go. Yeah. And I I really loved uh, coming to talk at the event that you hosted on imperfect leadership and hearing the other speakers bring their really amazing stories as well. Because, you know, at times I know that we often feel like we don't measure up to the, our vision, our, our idea of leadership. And even though, you know, deep down, we know we have so much more to share and we're very accomplished, you know, in, in all our different ways, but we still, even the most accomplished, struggle with the courage to step into visibility and share our voices. I'm wondering, you know, what advice would you have for someone who's feeling that way? Like they have something big that they want to share, but they're not quite there yet. It's, uh, oh, that's an exciting time. First of all, if you're feeling that yeah. <laughs> your body, mind and spirit is kind of getting you there. I, yeah. I think the faster we start to lean into the beauty of imperfection, it's such a, it's such a great journey that you can be on. I loved that series. I remember women yes. calling into vision, the things that they had never granted themselves permission to do. So for some women, it was wearing, you know, really large earrings on a zoom call. And for others, it was being okay, being five minutes late to a meeting, if that's what they needed for the day. And to me, this is all just about normalizing the humanness that each of us has yes. and the fears, as you said, and the reality that despite what any public perception or image says, we all battle insecurities and doubts and mm. the unknowns and the uncertainty. And I think something that can be just really important to remember is all of these times that we felt less than or we've battled our own feelings of, should I be here? Is this space the right space for me to occupy? Should I be saying yes? We've gotten past those moments and we channeled our adventure zone and we remembered the version of us that had said yes to things that were exciting and daring and divine. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's okay to normalize the feelings of the fear and the uncertainty, but chase the adventure first and foremost, <laughs> if you're ready for it. And then just have amazing humans around you. I'm a huge fan of your circle of influence and the people you spend all of your time with matter. And let's be really judicious and careful at who you invite into that space energetically and intellectually to make sure that as you're eyeing your next big moves, you have people around you that will remind you of your greatness and all the times that you've been able to fight for that, which you want. And we'll still give you space to say, I'm scared and I'm terrified and I have yes. no idea how I'm going to do it because we're all there. <laughs> we're all human. Exactly. I think that that's, the, you know, such a, a magic thing that, you know, having support and being able to show up even when you're terrified, you know, yeah. and, and having the people just to be like, it's okay, we're all terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I, I remember very recently, so one of my most recent Door D cohorts, it's a leadership cohort program that I run just is in now like week six of their program. And I remember getting an email from one of my participants who had just started, she was on week two. And she had done, you know, all her pre-research before the cohort kicked off to see who were the women in her cohort and mm -hmm. what had they accomplished and what were their professional identities. And she, in her own right, is so accomplished, right? And on paper, she has all the things that we all admire and aspire. And she sent me a note and said, you know, I've got to be honest, I was so nervous to be in space with these women and thinking I don't hold a candle to them and how am I here? And then in that first 60 minutes of getting to know her cohort, she realized, wow, there is still this, you know, prevailing feeling that we all have. And of course we have different experiences, but there's still prevailing things that weave us together of, of the doubt and the fear and the unknown. So I was just reminded by her note that 
each of us experiences this. It's not something that we need to feel bad about. It's super normal. And that anyone that we think has it all together, they still have their own things that they're facing. And I think there is a comfortability in that and in in acknowledging that we can have these conversations and admit Mm -hmm. when something's been a little bit intense for us, it's okay. Yes. I love that that this is your approach of normalizing these kinds of conversations and opening up the space for people to feel like, yeah, it's okay. You know, and it's okay to to have that day when you need the extra five minutes to put yourself together for the meeting. And, you know, all of these things like bringing humanity back into the workplace. Mm, So well said. Yes. You launched your Door D methodology in 2021. I remember when you did, and I was so excited. It was just such a brilliant concept. So tell us about what is Door D and why you believe in women in particular needing to find and choose their Door D. Yes, I... Oh, I want a world of Doherty's. <laughs> this question, thank, thank you so much for asking it. So I, the way I kind of think about life is we constantly find ourselves at fork in the road moments where, you know, there's door A, there's door B. Sometimes there's a door C, but it's never quite the thing that sets our soul on fire. So what I try to really get into people's minds and their belief system is that there is this invisible floating door that is literally around you at any moment in time, Mm -hmm. kind of beckoning you into this next chapter or next decision or next choice that is so soul aligned. And Mm -hmm. for me, really early on in my career, I started seeing these unconventional doors everywhere I looked at Fork in the Roads. And I was never interested in kind of the stay the course door or the, you know, do something new door. I was actually interested in the invisible door, what I refer to as door D, which is the thing that feels so tied to your heart and your values and this version of you that you want to live and breathe into for your career, your personal life, whatever's motivating you at that time. But the reality is the world has been designed to help us only see door A's and door B's and the convention. And we have to unlearn that. We have to unlearn the conventional pathways, the systems that created the traditional doors in the first place to even see the invisible option and to see that there is oftentimes another version of whether it's our leadership, our business, our narrative that we tell the world that is waiting for us. Like the door is right there and it wants you to open it, but we haven't done it before. It's divine. It's dreamy. It's different, right? It's all these things that just, they light us up, but yet they also feel a little bit less familial to us. So my Doherty concept is really about helping women have the tools, the strategies, and the mindset to always be able to see their invisible door when they're at fork in the road moments. And for me, a lot of what I'm seeing in the cohort and the doors that they're opening it's amazing because they're door Ding things that I didn't think that they were going to door They're, you know, they're door Ding how they want to show up as a first time leader of people or mm-hmm. they're door Ding how they want to negotiate salary in a way that feels wildly daring and different. Or they're door Ding their business by launching three service offerings at the same time in a new market that they never thought they would be, you know, launching into. So the container and the cohort is really about giving space for us to say out loud the things that don't even yet make sense to us. But yet they are career decisions that are just starting to get that butterfly inside of us, you know, flapping the wings. And that by talking about it and daydreaming and ideating and saying out loud that which you actually want, you start to make it more actionable and able to execute against that vision. So 
It's mm. been so great. I've been, um, this is the fourth cohort now. So there's like 33 door deers out in the world, <laughs> door their way through life. Um, and I'm just excited that we're entering this future of work movement where we can choose the different pathway and the pathway that most speaks to the version of us that we want to be. I think this is just so revolutionary in a way, right? It's really kind of creating a whole new paradigm for work and what business should look like and and what it looks like to show up in your career. I know that that's something that you talk about as a speaker and as part of Dordi. And so I'd love to sort of ask you to share a bit about what your vision is for the career pathways of tomorrow. You know, what what do those look like? I'm such a fan of the futures movement. One of the things that I found most interesting as I started to study it is they put the emphasis on the S in futures, meaning there Uh is no singular future and that we are very much co-creating a futures work, a futures industry, whatever the thing is. And this has been probably one of my motivating drivers recently is studying the futures movement and what do our industries look like decades from now? What do our professions look like, right? Like how are we collaborating and elevating new thoughts? And we're in this period of disruptive thinking. So it's a really exciting time to choose to believe that we can break it all apart. We can build anew. We can take pathways that maybe years ago people would have never understood. So for me, a big component of the futures movement is curating a career by choice versus by circumstance and making sure that whatever your curation looks like, whether you want to run your own business and work for somebody else's, which is what I do, right? Or you want to own five of your own businesses (laughs) or, Uh you know, you want to switch industries. Like maybe you've been in marketing for 20 years and you want to be an accountant. It's just understanding that we can. This is a era that we're in of choice and intention and design, but it's about being brave enough to say out loud what you want in a world that wants you boxed in and in a world that wanted to categorize you and keep you on a linear path. So I see a future world where people can quit corporate, go off and do their own thing and come back and like, no one cares. Or, you know, they can have career optionality where they decide they want to work for many companies to diversify the way that they get their stimulation. So I'm excited by this kind of era where A, say out loud the thing you want, especially when no one understands it. B, build your action plan for advocating for it, negotiating it, demanding it for yourself. And then see constantly re-examining and recalibrating, did my career curation, does it still work? Do I need to amend it? Do mm-hmm. I need to adjust it? Because it's a continuum. You get to always choose a new anytime that you want. I definitely have these conversations often with my clients as well. And I just, so I love hearing it from you, from your perspective and from your experience. Because I do think that it's, it is so freeing so empowering to think just because I've done this thing for 25 years doesn't mean I have to do it for another 20 years (laughs) I can do something completely different and it's okay and it is okay I do think that one of the the ways we do get so boxed in people just expect you just to do that one thing you know the that awful question that you get when you go to an event and it's like so what do you do you know that that one thing that you do I, I'm terrible with this question now, Natalie. When I get asked it, I because I hate it so much, I, yeah. I actually freeze, freeze up, and I get really awkward and weird. And that's the imperfect leadership. It's totally okay. Yes, but I'm always like, I don't know what to do with this question. It feels so archaic and so not connected to the yes. world we're in. And I wanted to add to something you said because it's so it's so important that we grew up in a world, and I've been reading a lot about this concept of forevering. 
And we're a byproduct of this notion of forevering. So having a forever place you live, a forever career that you choose, a forever partner that you're with, mm-hmm. this whole notion of you can never change your mind and you can never break up with something. It's been so deeply ingrained. And again, it was ingrained to keep the systems upheld and it was by design. This was not yes. by you know happenstance that we got yeah. here. So what happens is anytime we change our mind or we get courageous to want to be introspective, we are confronted with our own relationship with forevering and what society told mm-hmm. us forevering should look like. So it's been really interesting to have conversations about this, whether, again, we forever with, you know, even our best friends from high school that we think still have to be our best friends. And how do we start to realize that changing our mind or changing our interests or our hobbies is very normal? And <laughs> We're in a constant season of evolution. And it's about, again, identifying what we need now. And then again, having the courage to say, I'm going to go fight for it, even when the world wants me to stay in this one box they put me in. Exactly. I think we need to just get out of these boxes. I think it's so, so important. We have so much more to give Mm -hmm. than we can when we're in in that little box. So let's, let's move beyond those limits. I'm wondering if you have read a book recently or come across a resource recently that you you'd love and would recommend to anyone around all these things that we've been talking about. So it, it's so top of mind because I just got out of an amazing conversation yeah. with someone about this today. Great. <laughs> it's very present. Um, I'm a really big fan of the Traycom Group's social styles concept. Mm-hmm. It's all about how we communicate and understanding our different communication styles and preferences. Mm-hmm. And since I love talking to people <laughs> all the time, mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by how we all receive information differently. And what they really talk about is It's important to know where we sit and how we naturally receive and give out information, but it's equally important, if not more important, to know how the person on the other side receives and absorbs information. So for anyone who's a fan of DISC or Myers-Briggs, it's it's a similar construct, not a similar concept in that there's four quadrants. And it's very Mm -hmm. much about figuring out your people responsiveness style and your assertiveness style. But unlike Disker Myers-Briggs, what I find really powerful is you can almost tell somebody's social style within minutes of meeting them just <laughs> in terms of how they write their emails, in terms of how they set agendas for meetings, or they call you on the phone. Like there's these really cool telltale signs where you can almost always know how that person prefers to communicate in their default style. And in a world where there's so much misunderstanding and miscommunication right now, I found myself coming back to this model, which is interesting because I learned about it over a decade ago, but I'm finding it's more relevant now than maybe 10 years ago because we're having more radical and honest and vulnerable conversations. So anyone who loves talking and knowing people, I definitely suggest checking it out. Okay. Well, that's totally up my street. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm checking it out as soon as we wrap up this conversation. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. (laughs) Yes, of course. Okay, so one final question. I know that you have so much going on in your world. So what's coming up for you in the next few months? Yeah, well, I'm so excited because the timing is really amazing and that my women's organization has just announced that we are commissioning a report talking to hundreds of women over America to co-create new KPIs for how to measure career advancement for women in the workplace. It is something I am so excited about. I have um, an amazing ability to 
really bring together these women that I so greatly admire, which is the coolest part, to just think about how do we revolutionize KPIing and metrics and calibration? Mm-hmm. Because so much of how we're measuring career advancement is just checkboxes and vanity-based and singularly yeah. dimensions. So I'm going to be talking to so many women. This is going to be my uh, communication uh, happiness factor on, yes. <laughs> on, on fire right now. And just really sitting down with women to say, what are we not measuring that we should? And how do we even change the definition? This goes back to the first question you asked yes. me, Natalie. Uh, what does career advancement even mean? Because most likely we're still holding it towards an old definition that was set hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So this report is something I've been dreaming about and have been excited about, and now it's a reality. So that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks. And I can't wait to just kind of share with the world that we have to be willing to look at these just fundamental business concepts in a totally different way, especially when the metrics tell a really bleak story of what's happening with career advancement for women. So it's going to be it's going to be an exciting few weeks. I, I absolutely yes. can't wait for this. <laughs> oh, I am so excited as well. I, I couldn't, I was just jumping up and down when I read your email about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, if anyone's watching this or listening to this and like the date has passed, I don't care. Reach out to me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to talk and get all your thoughts about the KPIs. Oh, yes, definitely. So tell listeners where they can find you online. Yes. I love connecting on LinkedIn. So give me a follow there. Send me a note. We can get a virtual coffee. I always love connecting with people through that platform. And then you can check out my women's organization, wilnexus.com. We are always running, whether it's leadership cohorts like DoorD or retreats or reports like this. So if you are passionate about just changing the way women are driving their career velocity, drop me a note, reach out to me, and I would love to know about what is motivating you right now. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you, Carrie, for being here. And this was a delight, Natalie. I love the work you're doing. I, oh, I was so excited about this conversation. So thank you so much. It's been amazing to be here. Oh, it's been such a pleasure getting to chat to you and hear about all of the things that you're working on. And I want to just thank everyone who's listening. And I hope everyone has a great week. Did you hear? I've just opened the doors to a very special challenge for you to help you become more confident about being visible. So this is a 30-day challenge where I'm inviting you to come along with me to show up online every day for 30 days. So I'm inviting you to come along with me as I do it, and I'm going to make it as fun as I can, and it's going to be all about elevating our energy. So for all of us doing this challenge, I believe it's going to be our best month yet. So if you want to join us, head on over to storytonic.co slash visible, and I cannot wait to see you inside.